You're listening to Draft Chaff. Coming up this week... I don't even know, man. Just like all the rats and gnawing crescendo, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with most powerful card. Yeah, I don't think there was much of a debate on this one. It, it, it was Ginger Brute. Oh yeah, Red White, not close. And probably because I only really drafted Red White, I, I think I had maybe one non-Red White deck. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 176. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not a lot. You know, it's times like this that I'm thankful I have a co-host who's very patient with me when it comes to editing and <laughs> things of this nature. I may have lost uh, my temper a little bit on the pre-show today. <laughs> it was so funny. Uh yeah, if check out the pre-show for um well let's just say I think I need some some lessons in how to use either GIMP or Photoshop or Fire Alpaca. Maybe some combination of all three, but apparently you're not supposed to use all three at once. No, they, they pretty much all <laughs> serve the same purpose, so we'll we'll get there. But today <laughs> is our farewell to Woe. You know, we're calling this one Woe Long Farewell. I think that's a clever name, Ben. <laughs> thank you, um, thank you. Yeah, well done there. But yeah, we are saying goodbye to Woe. Before we do, though, our usual housekeeping, do jump in the Discord if you're not already in there. We've been making some really big changes over there, um, cleaned up a lot of channels. We've got some new kind of forum channels in there that that make things a little bit easier to uh, keep organized and find different uh, formats that may be coming in and out of playability or brand new formats, etc. We also released our new Bounty Boards channel which while it's not technically live yet, you can go preview and take a look at that. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Um, and it's also just a great place to be to chat all things MTG, discuss your picks, talk about your trophies, chat about life, any, any of these sorts of things. The link to that is on our Twitter page as well as in the episode description. So do check that out if you want to join the community over there. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. And we're live. We have been talking for like two months now about the relaunch of our Patreon. It's live. You can go check it out right now. We have all sorts of new stuff there. You may have already noticed we've rebranded our art. The cover art for the show is different. We've got new banners and stuff on all of our different social media platforms as well. And all the new perks for the Patreon are live. So because of that, and because this is the first time where we're really talking about it, um, some of you may have seen the announcement video, but in case you didn't, we're going to walk through all the different tiers here so you get a, a brief but descriptive uh, take on each of the tiers that are now available on Patreon. So if any of these speak to you, maybe go check that out and uh, you know give it a go. Let's start off with the Ornithopter tier. This is our first tier. It's a dollar a month, about a quarter a week. Uh, this is just you know our, our basic tier. We'll shout you out on the podcast. You get a special Discord role, all that usual stuff. Um, Honestly, <laughs> this means just as much to us as any of the tiers, right? Like any, any amount of support you all have shown us over the years, it's amazing. So we thank you all for this very much. Yeah, after Ornithopter, we've got the Thraben Inspector tier. That's $4 a month or about one episode, $1 a week. And with that, you'll get the rewards from the previous tier. So the shout out and a, a, a unique Discord role. Every single tier has its own unique Discord role. So it's not the same role across tiers. Um, you also get access to the exclusive pre-show videos that are in the Patreon feed, as well as our show notes that Ben meticulously crafts. They look gorgeous. I've never seen show notes that look like this, so he does a great job. And if you want to check those out, this is the tier for you. Now, we're going to walk up our list of draft chaff heroes here with Seasoned Hallowblade, one of my old favorites. Our next tier. This is $8 a month, about $2 a week. What is that? Like a, like a candy bar a week? that's about the amount of enjoyment some people get from us right? <laughs> <laughs> something like that so uh this also has all previous stuff uh and then it also has a personal thank you video from from one of us um just a special thanks to you after that we move on to inspiring overseer which is 12 dollars a month or three dollars a week and you'll get again all the previous tiers rewards but on top of that, and this is, I think, one of the aspects of the new relaunch that I'm most excited about, you'll also get a custom die-cut Draft Chaff Hero sticker. Not Draft Chaff sticker, Draft Chaff Hero sticker. We're working with a phenomenal fantasy artist to actually create custom stickers for each of our Draft Chaff Heroes every set. So if, you're, if you sign up to this tier or any of the tiers above this, 
you will actually get one of those new stickers every single set starting when you when you sign up and uh, every time we announce a draft draft hero we'll have new stickers being sent out to all of our inspiring overseers plus Mm -hmm. and again that's recurring right it's not a one-off like our our last sticker perk was um we're super excited for this my friend this artist she's awesome and uh she's very excited by especially this new set because she's a big fan of like fantasy high fantasy and pirates so uh that'll that'll be sick uh plus this equates to like what a a black coffee a a week (laughs) i think some people probably probably enjoy us more than a black coffee a week (laughs) although i can't say for sure Next up, we've got our Wing Mantle Chaplain tier. This is $20 a month, about $5 an episode. This, again, has all previous stuff, but then it also has access to our exclusive Draft Doctor channel. We've been doing Draft Doctors for a while. Uh, it's gone through some different forms, but really what happens is uh, we just help doctor your draft up a little bit, right? Uh, we, we know a lot about limited, and we want to help fix up your decks you know, adjust their vectors a little bit, make sure everything about the deck is tuned up. Uh, we could do a breakdown of your gameplay replay on 17 lands. Uh, we could take a look at your deck list. We could even look at a pick and, and give you some extra feedback about it. Uh, just, you know, some, some extra feedback from us. Yeah. And that might look like a write up on say 17 lands data that you send us. It might be just actually like a quick hand recorded video of us talking through the changes that we would make or the different ways we would have approached the draft, things like that. So it should be a little bit on the more personal side, uh, but it'll be in a channel. So anybody else who's also in that channel can benefit from the same sort of information, though the responses will be personalized to you. And lastly, another one of our very exciting tiers here. This is our last tier, the Sarah Angel tier. It's $40 a month or $10 an episode. You get all the previous tier. This is, this is the top top of the line. So you're getting everything that comes before this. You also get voting rights on changes we make to the official draft draft cube. So rather than us making the changes ourselves, we're going to propose changes to our Sarah Angel tier patrons. Uh, and we'll have a vote. And the cards that are coming out, the cards that are going in will be voted on so that you guys can have a direct say in that. And your name will be immortalized in the credits on the cube cover page. So... We'll have that there as well. And on top of that, we're also going to run exclusive monthly virtual Draft Draft Cube drafts with prize support for the seven members in this tier. So yes, this is limited sizing. You can only join uh, while there are seven or fewer members, uh, or six or fewer, I suppose. Seven total. And the reason there are seven is because either Ben or myself will also be in those drafts. So you'll get to draft the cube, with prize support, but you also get a draft with one of us. And if someone can't make it, then, you know, one of us will jump in as well. So maybe both of us, maybe just one of us, but we're really excited about that. Love to uh, see that happen and um, get to give you guys some prizes for drafting our cube. Cause that would be phenomenal. Yeah, that would be super cool. To be clear. We're looking at like actual prize support, like not just a pack or two for like a, a pity pack. Yeah. We're looking at like maybe getting a box for one of these things and, and just, I don't know, maybe you win 10 packs or 15 packs, but we'll work out the distribution, but we want this one to be cool. Plus, it's drafting the draft shaft cube, which not too many paper versions of this exist. Uh, I know a couple of people that have ordered the entire draft shaft cube. Shout outs to them. Awesome stuff. Glad you have it. Hopefully you're enjoying it. I have my copy of the draft shaft cube and we've gotten amazing feedback on it. People have said it's a super fun cube, really fun environment. And the best part is you get to play with all the draft shaft cards you've Loved and forgotten and known about over, over the years. We're honestly super thankful for all the support that all of you have given us throughout the years, whether it's even just, you know, rating us on Spotify. Did you know we have a, a perfect five-star rating on Spotify? We do. That's yeah, awesome. Do. <laughs> so Unsolicited, by the way. We did not have, we didn't go in and have like all of our friends <laughs> go and, and cheat the system. That's a great idea. Now, now we should. <laughs> but we're going to be like, hey, do you have Spotify on your phone? Let me see that real quick. <laughs> Uh, yeah. like it give it back no um we, we really appreciate that whether it's telling a friend or following us on twitter or, or retweeting our posts we see all of you we love all of you and we really appreciate it and know that we're not sponsored as of right now like the, the entire way that we're supported in doing this is from the patreon so um i mean we do this because we love to do it right but we do a good amount of work like all, all this stuff we've probably put in I don't know. I've been putting in probably like two or three hours a day for the past couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, some days on, some days off. But yeah, it's, that's what it's felt like. And um, all, all that is to say, we really appreciate 
everybody who's given to us and has continued to be a part of our community. And uh, I think we've made up the best community of limited players on the internet. I, I think that's, that's just what it is. I mean, have you seen the discord? Like there's so many people from all over the world and everyone's just talking about drafting and how much fun it is and how much we all love it. I mean, what's, what's better than that, right? Yeah. And we're not quite done right with the Patreon rework. We have a few other things. So a couple of reasons we want to kind of boost funding and, and one of the motivation, some of the motivation behind redoing the Patreon was a, to make it easier for you guys to support the show and feel like you're actually getting more out of it than, than what we were offering prior. Um, B, we, with the launch of our Bounty Boards channel, so the Bounty Boards channel is a channel in the Discord where every single set we're going to release what we're calling a Bounty Board. The board will have a list of bounties or achievements that you are able to kind of submit proof of having collected or earned, and you'll accrue points throughout the season. Whoever has the most points at the end of the season, top three spots will win real prizes, booster packs, Maybe they'll change into some other physical uh, items as well, like maybe exclusive draft chaff merch or whatever it might be. We're starting out with just like kind of a basic prize pool of, of booster packs, but that's something we would love feedback on and we'll continue to iterate on it as sets evolve and progress. But um, yeah, so you just, just by playing the game, none of the achievements and the bounties that we're putting out are win rate based. So mm-hmm. it's not a spike thing. We're sticking very true to our roots and, um, we think it's going to be a lot of fun, so we're really excited to see how that goes. But of course, your support on the Patreon enables us to boost the prizes there and make that even more fun and, and grow that whole aspect of the community as well. So very excited about that as well. And then, of course, we do want to have uh, at some point hire an editor so we can reduce to Ben's point the amount of time we're putting into it so we can actually generate more content, um, more draft videos, things of that nature. So those are the, the main motivators here. And if you join now, We're in the middle of a launch window. If you join between when this episode is released and November 15th of 2023, you'll get an exclusive draft chaff acrylic pin as well, featuring our new logo. So that's just kind of an extra thank you to, to say thanks for joining during this like relaunch and kind of sticking with us as we were revamping a bunch of stuff. Personally, I'm most excited for the bounty board. A little bummed that I can't compete for, for the top prize. Uh, let's say Zach or I do manage to get top prize. We're obviously not included. Uh, the top three will be receiving prize packs. And I think this is maybe the coolest thing. This is going to directly scale with the people that support us on Patreon. The more Patreon supporters we have, the more prizes we can offer for this. We're trying to give this stuff all right back to you for doing cool stuff. So... Uh, Maybe let's say someday we'll have like the top five people will be able to get prize packs or we can increase the number of prize packs that we give out. Uh, this is going to be fluid and it's going to change, but it's only going to get better. And again, like Zach said, the coolest thing about this is that it's all just doing gameplay stuff that you probably wanted to do anyway. If you're listening to us, yeah, you want to transform that wacky artifact into the grim captain, right? The, the You have to craft it with like a dinosaur, an art, a, a merfolk. What is it? <laughs> I don't even remember. It sets that <laughs> uh, out yet, Ben. A vampire and something else. And then you flip it and it becomes this dinosaur thing with hexproof and lifelink and vigilance. And y- you know what I'm talking about. Uh, you want to do that, right? Well, then wouldn't you rather do that and have the chance of getting a free pack or two or five from it, right? So definitely check out Bounty Boards. Get excited for those as the new set drops because uh, I think there's going to be some fierce competition for those. And again, just to wrap this all up, you can check all of that out at patreon.com forward slash draft pod. All the details are there. You can read the public post on what the pin is about and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, thank you just for listening. Whether you choose to support us on Patreon or not, the fact that you're here listening is way more meaningful than I think you could possibly know. Um, when we started this, we did not expect to have even remotely the number of people we have listening to this show. So thank you for your support in just listening. That That's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Thank you, listener. You specifically, not not those other people that aren't you. You know exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about. It's you right now. <laughs> With that, now that our shilling is out of the way, let's move on to our crack and draft type thing. We have a pack one, pick one here to kind of send woe off into uh, fairy tale land or wherever we send sets that we're no longer drafting. So uh, let's start here with some comments. We've got Shadow of the Oath. That was the five mana black kill spell. Puts a wicked roll on something. That's fine, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I feel like most of these cards are going to be just, eh. I mean, five mana black removal spells, sorcery speed. You're never, you're never super stoked about it, but it's always fine. Titanic growth. Um, go see the Sirkovitz thread that's actually not really about Titanic growth for, for more information. Unruly catapult, bit of a plant for blue red, kind of a flop. I never really got that one to work. Again, you could say that about most cards in the average pack of Woe 2. Twinville Guide, just not exciting. Gnawing Crescendo, pretty niche, but in the Go Wide's Rat deck, it was pretty good. Archon's Glory, I like this one. This one was a, a good white bargain spell to use with um, Princess Takes Flight. Yep. I actually had some games where I knew I had an Archon's Glory left in my deck. And I knew Princess Takes Flight was about to go to the third chapter and give them their creature back on my next main phase. So I would set a draw step stop to see if I drew the Archon's Glory and then I could sack it before getting to my main phase. And I did that multiple times. It was pretty yeah. sweet. Good Mocking stuff. Sprite. Eh. <laughs> like, fairies wasn't a thing either. Uh, Sweet Tooth Witch. This one was good, right? In blue-black, uh, or uh, uh, black-green food, rather. This one has definitely killed me. I've definitely killed opponents with it. Yeah, I feel like you're just happy to have Sweet Tooth Witch in any black deck. So this is the most, like, <laughs> well-rounded card we've seen so far, I think. That and Shattered the Oath, probably. Yeah. I, I mean, 3-mana three 3-2 three just make a food on ATV. That probably alone would have been playable in the green-black decks because of how some of them right. can really efficiently use food. Think of, like, Greta, where you just want, like, as many foods as you can get. Yeah, and then she also, like, if you just don't have any of those outlets, the Sweet Tooth Witch is an outlet for you to like convert your food into True. real like pressure so yeah pretty solid we've got hollow scavenger next this one fulfills a pretty similar role kind of buddy with sweet tooth witch yeah it's a good way to get bargain going super early uh because you can make that food on turn one do you take the first hollow scavenger over the first sweet tooth witch like here in pack one pick one are you taking scavenger over witch or vice versa I think you're supposed to take Witch first just because black is so much better, but black green is still really good. I mean, the Jun colors are where it was at this time around, besides like, you know, a dedicated red white deck or something like that. Sure. And, and I'm not as big a blue hater as some have been in this format. I thought blue was great if you had the right pieces. Um, for example, those are all of our commons. There's nothing in here we're interested in taking. The top pick is probably the Witch. I might, I might even take like the Glory over it. I, I like the red-white aggressive decks, and if you can snipe that Vector early, then you can really go to town. Anyway, uh, we've got an enchanting fail here. It's Hatching Plans. This card is actually awesome and a reason to play blue. Um, or at least splash blue, right? A, a good Hatching Plans deck where you're doing a bunch of bargain things. This is a really reactive Vector. I think the best card to pair with Hatching Plans is Kellen's Light Blades, because uh, it just mm. destroys an attacking creature for two mana and draws you three cards in the process. So just really, really good value. Yeah, it's really not hard to make Hatching Plans like, viable include in, your, in any deck that can cast it, and it, like just, just put bargain cards in your deck and you're good. <laughs> yeah, you would probably put bargain cards in your deck anyway, right? Like a lot right. of them are pretty efficient rates. Also done commons. We've got some competition. We've got Tough Cookie. This one was a banger. Yeah. Yeah, pretty solid. I think I'd probably take the Tough Cookie here, given what we've seen so far in this pack. Ooh, over the hatching plans? What's going on? I would take the hatching I plans. think I would. I, I just feel like some of these like low end, and I haven't actually drafted the deck, but from some of the different screenshots and, and you know discourse that I've seen, I feel like it doesn't take a whole lot to make like this kind of low to the ground aggressive deck that like the dirtily decks that are trying to do the hatching plants thing just get run over like i don't care if you draw three cards if i'm killing you i feel like we've done a bit of a role reversal thing <laughs> yeah. like what's happening <laughs> well, why, yeah. why am i advocating to take a blue card and you're telling me that i should be taking a low aggressive green creature what's happening here <laughs> what, what did this relaunch do to us did we did we body swap this is yeah, a nice freaky, freaky Friday, Friday thing. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, Tough Cookie is great. I mean, this is great in the black green food decks. It is two food in one, right? So for the, those things that really care about it, it's obviously great with Sweet Tooth Witch. Um, and then even just the animating and existing food. Um, the fact that this can be four hasty power in the late game if you have an existing food laying around and then four more power the next time. This is a two drop that demands to be killed. So uh, I, I do think it's probably... It's probably the correct pick here over hatching plans, but um, I just I, I'm a menace. I'm going to take the hatching plans anyway. <laughs> We've got a picklock prankster. This one was fine. 
again, just like a, sound like a spellsy, fairiesy thing. Just not what you want to be doing in the format. A fairy fencing as well, our last uncommon. Good kill spell, but the blue black fairies deck, I think I saw it come together like exactly three times. And one of those was at pre release. Now, our rare here is an interesting one. It is Extraordinary Journey. This is the, uh, the XX blue blue mythic, or rare rather. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you exile X target creatures, their owners can replay them. And then it has the clause whenever one or more non token creatures enter the battlefield from exile, uh, you draw a card. And that's for both your side and the opponent's side. So that means all the things that you bounce. Let's say you cast this for X equals two, right? So six mana, you bounce two of their things to exile. Whenever they replay those things, you draw a card. Like each time it happens. And let's say you're casting adventure creatures, right? So you cast the adventure half. You cast, um, I don't know, Hollow Scavenger. And then you cast the, uh, the, the main creature side of it, right? From exile, you draw a card off that too. So if you had a critical mass of sort of like teamer adventures y cards, uh, a critical mass of creatures with adventures on them, you could draw a million cards. Like I, this is a board wipe that also refills your hands. If you can dump a bunch of mana into this in the late game and even just reset some of your stuff, maybe something under an aura that's locking it down, something that's under a cursed roll that your opponent put on it. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do with this card. It's super flexible. That being said, it is not very good against black, red rats or red, white beatdown or... I don't know. I, I feel like this card deserves a second shot. Maybe, maybe in the draft shaft cube. I don't know. We can put a pin in that. I think I would probably take hatching plans over it. I wouldn't fault someone for taking tough cookie over everything, though. I think I'm still on tough cookie. Yeah. All right. On to our main topic this week. And if you're a longtime listener or an astute listener of any kind, you may realize that, wait, where did two other segments go? Because we usually have two other segments here. We're changing things up as part of a revamp. We're switching up a little bit how the show goes. We want to give you guys more of the value up front and um, we'll kind of uh, circle back to those things. They're not gone, but they'll be at the end of the episode. So stick around if you want to hear things like our Teferi Tibbalt or our listener question of the week. And um, we'll go through those at the end. So let's jump in. It's it is time to say goodbye to Woe, Ben. I know you're so sad about it, um, but it is time to say goodbye. So, of course, as we usually do, we're going to give chaffee awards away for various categories to certain cards in the set let's just jump right into it let's start with most powerful card yeah i don't think there was much of a debate on this one it, it, it was ginger brute everyone's thinking it <laughs> it's, that, it's that pesky little guy he, he wears counters cookie. well <laughs> he, he wears rolls well no obviously it's gruff triplets right i mean this card's oh, yeah. win rate was just through the roof it is the most brutal thing to see come down to the side imidane's recruiter you can beat that card, right? And it's probably one of the other most uh, uh, dominant cards in the format. One of the ones that will actually stick in our memories from this. But Gruff Triplets is the one that really just made people say, that, that card does what now? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes if you tried to kill it, things would get worse for you, right? So <laughs> yep. Gruff Triplets was just an absurd bomb. It is definitely the most powerful card in the format. Uh, Ginger Brute, maybe a close... 30th or 40th <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's interesting too um this was i believe uh, if memory serves this was the first like standard legal set we got where we they moved to that like one planeswalker per set design right like, yeah. yeah i think yeah, it, yeah. i think this was the first one so <laughs> that's interesting um planeswalkers aren't really a thing anymore and i kind of thought it was refreshing not that you used to run into them all that often anyway because they are mythics but like it's kind of nice to not have to think like oh they probably have any of the five planeswalkers in the set um mm -hmm. i kind of appreciated that kind of a tangential thing there but yeah gruff triplets absolutely ridiculous and um if you were lucky to have more than one on the battlefield at a time and i mean more than one cast from your hand not the tokens um you you know what what a good time is like. <laughs> I can't imagine losing with a deck that has two copies oh of Gruff Triplets in. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Cancel the show. We're closing it down. It's oh, over. We just relaunched. We went through all this work. <laughs> all right. Next up is the least powerful card, a card that actively harms you for casting it. What do you got? Well, I actually took that a step further. Not a card necessarily that actively harms you for casting it. 
but a set of cards that actively harm you by putting them in your deck. And those are the enchanting fails. I yeah. ran out of space to type them all out, but uh, all of the, the enchantments that were added as a bonus sheet in the set that just didn't get there for limited. They were great constructed plants and, and reprints and such, but they really just were not, they weren't something you, you really should be paying any attention to in the limited format for the most part. If you or a loved one put Blood Moon into your sealed deck because maybe you didn't know what was going on at the start of the format or you were like, oh, this card looks cool, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Please <laughs> like, comment, and subscribe. Join the Discord. We'll, we'll hook you up. Um, I actually put Oppression on there. Funny thing is, I, I can barely remember what the card Oppression does. Let me see if I've got this right. It's uh, one black black. It's an enchantment. And it says whenever a player casts a spell... They discard a card as well. Something along those lines. I was also considering repercussion, uh, which is whenever a creature is dealt damage, it deals that much to their controller, I believe. I, I barely know what these are. <laughs> like, these are wacky, random, uh, commander playable enchantments that, you know, someone's going to put in their ridiculous, I don't know, Xur the Enchanter deck or, or some nonsense like that. And uh, th th these are just such a miss in Limited. It's just so disappointing such a bummer that you know this slot that's been used well like look at how march the machines did it right the bonus sheet was awesome here well, it's just such a whiff is that how'd i do did i get him right yeah you did yeah yeah you nailed him nice all right so next up we've got most annoying card this is a card that you just kind of hate to see come down on the board across from you uh ben what'd you got i put down harried spear guard for this one mm. this one is that one one haster that dies into a rat I, towards the end of the format, I, I was gravitating more towards the three to four to five color control decks, which really relied mm -hmm. on uh, hatching plans, Kellen's Light Blades, Prophetic Prism, those types of decks. And Harried Spear Guard coming down on turn one while, while on the draw, you just go, oh, okay. <laughs> well, my, my do nothing cards all of a sudden are not going to be good enough to win this match. Yeah, not so much. That's a good one. Yeah, I. I Having been a long time control player, I know the feeling. Um, yeah, for me, it was it was almost certainly Regal Bunicorn this set. I, every time, <laughs> it's a rare, so it's not that I played against it a ton, but I did see it a lot, and every time I couldn't find the answer, and it just like the few answers I had were only answers until it got so big, and then it would always get big bigger than my removal. Yeah. Before I could draw the removal and I could just never get rid of the thing. And then it was ugh, super frustrating. Yeah. You top deck towards the tower and you look and it's a four, four and then you're like, yeah, it's okay. Like, it's okay. Um, I have, I have a cut in in my hand and the next turn they play like three more creatures and you're like, wait, and then so it's a seven, seven, but now cut in and the, it's a mess. It's yeah, it's not fun. And it's really easy to make that thing big. Cause everything just like generates random food and like other stupid artifacts or rat tokens or whatever. And like the thing gets yeah. big quick. The other uh, kind of runner up for this one that I had was tough cookie, just because you kind of pointed this out earlier, Ben, but having to waste like really good removal. I say waste in this case, I think it's actually good, but having to point good removal at a two drop feels bad. Like it just doesn't, doesn't feel good. Yeah. What was the, Best janky combo. This is a, a fun chaffy to award. I, I always like seeing what people can come up with for this. I don't even know, man. Just like all the rats and gnawing crescendo, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just gnaw away at your opponent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going really wide and casting a 2-0 to all creatures, that's historically been a pretty solid strategy and limit. I mean, think back to, to DMU, right? That was that was sort of yep. white's vector in, in DMU. Here we've seen it kind of more centered in red. Um, and a bit in black too, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the, the first thing that came to mind was actually just Imidane's recruiter. Cause like both halves of it by itself is a combo. I don't think it's a janky combo though. Like it's actually just a good one. And it's <laughs> yeah. Best combo is trained troops plus Imidane's recruiter. <laughs> said. Yeah. My, uh, my chaffy here is going to go to princess takes flight plus stockpiling celebrant. I've had decks with three of sure. each of these. It's, it's so cool. That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah and and these work pretty well with each other right like you're playing the celebrant you're bouncing the princess takes flight the second chapter helps buff the creatures that you're playing you get this sort of um it's almost uh like a like a, an aggressive start with a combo finish 
because when you have this this sort of chain going, you're scrying with the celebrants to find your other princess takes flights and your other celebrants to pick up other things. You're still casting other cards because this only is like three mana a turn. On turn five, you can do like one of these two and a two drop. Uh, these decks were really consistent because of all the scrying and how you could usually get copies of both. There weren't too many people at the table that could make good use of it. It, it felt like the... I don't know. I guess it felt like Princess Takes Flight was a very specific vector, and there were only a handful of cards that could profitably interact with it. Specifically, like white cards that would help you bargain um, or, or somehow interact with it in another way, like how Stockpiling Celebrant does by bouncing it to your hand. Um, there was, was that icy kiss of something? There was a one mana white spell that, that also interacted with it. Whatever. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah. Um, this is my favorite combo by far, and probably what I'll miss most about the format. I really liked um, this sort of nonsense that the white decks get up to. All right, so next up we've got the Chaffy for Chaffiest Chaff. This is uh, a card or set of cards that um, really awesome and limited. Probably just won't ever see play in any other format besides the limited format they were printed in, and um, but actually were decent in that format. For this one, I've got Hopeful Vigil and Hopeless Nightmare. This this kind of uh, pair of cards. Hopeful Vigil was the two mana white one that ETB'd and made a uh, two two knight. Hopeless Nightmare was on the ETB'd and forced their opponent to discard and, and lose some life. Uh, really interesting cards. Clearly set up to make the black white deck tick and like have enchantments be put in the graveyard. But it turned out other decks also just wanted these. The black green deck yeah. was really efficient for bargaining. I mean, think of like Hamlet Glutton, where it wanted a hopeless nightmare down early so you could play a turn five, six, six, gain three with Trample. Uh, Hopeful Vigil was great in the red white decks because mm -hmm. it activated Celebrant, right? So uh, you, you could celebrate just by casting this one single card, and that was good. Black white got kind of sniped here by the rest of the black and white decks because these key pieces that the black white deck probably need in order to function because <laughs> it let's be honest it didn't uh th these were just really good everywhere else but will these ever see constructed play commander play uh casual kitchen it. table play maybe but even then they're really niche and they're kind of insular to this set so like nah i feel bad these cards are cool designs it it's a shame that the black white vector just didn't really work yeah yeah no i totally agree these these were kind of on on my mind as well with this <laughs> This Chaffee in particular, they did feel really good. And I think actually the fact that they had homes in so many different decks increased just the how good they were. Like they were just so playable. You could you could speculate on one of these early and pretty much put it in any deck you ended up in and, and still feel good about it. So um definitely good in the format. And yeah, I agree. They're probably not powerful enough to see play pretty much anywhere else. Maybe Popper. Maybe Popper. Yeah. Next up our Chaffee for oops. Uh, we, we misjudged a certain card. Uh, what card did we misjudge most? I think I misjudged Cauldron most. Agatha's Cauldron? <laughs> yeah. Like, I did not expect that to break into every format ever made ever. <laughs> yeah, what is it, like $60 now, probably? It's something like that, yeah. Yeah, um, to everybody that opened it in their sealed pools and was like, what? Th this isn't going to work. Um, go dust that thing off, because it, it's worth some cash now. Uh, yeah, this card is is sort of like the, the janky combo brewer's dream and that it enables tons of wacky stuff. There's like mono blue, infinite mana, infinite storm and standard or something. I don't know. A lot of nonsense about Cauldron. I went with Ariat's Tempting Apple. Uh, once I realized how fast this format was and how, you know, you actually do want to put a, um, a, a turn against effect in just an average beatdown deck. This was a colorless turn against effect. So a black red deck could play it. A, um, I guess if you had a really, really aggressive green white deck, you could play it. Those decks could exist sometimes. Um, they didn't tend to. But if you had like a red white deck, you would definitely play this as well. And then it had that pay to sack. Your opponent loses three, a sort of poisoned apple. I, I started looking at the tempting apple as a turn against with a lightning bolt staple to it. And when you think about it like that, that's a pretty good card, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's costing you a lot more. Well, I guess not a lot more mana, but it is, it is costing you more mana to do it that way. But yeah, a couple more um, mana. But when, but when it's something that like anybody could be playing, I think that that really changes uh, the way that you interact with the game. And um, it did seem more powerful and it put up better numbers than I was expecting it to as well.
All right, next up, our Chaffee for top drafted commons. Ben, I always love to hear how many events you do because it's always like massively eclipsing mine. <laughs> uh, this set, not, not as much. I, I played less of this set than I did any set in recent memory. I did 44 events. I only trophied six, which is yeah, pretty low for me. Um, and my, my win rate was Sick down. Sick brag, bro. <laughs> Look. <laughs> You know, I won an arena open. I mean, I'm not going to say anything about it, but uh, that was like a year ago. Let it go. Was it? Was bro a year ago? I don't know. Just about. Yep. I'm I'm due for another one of those. Um, I was bummed that this most recent one was Woe and not Shadows of Renishad Remastered. I mean, it was up, right? And we already yeah. had one for Woe at the beginning of the format, didn't we? I, I would have much yeah. preferred this one was for Shadows. Although I guess we did already have one when that dropped at first, but I would have loved another one. Um. Yeah, so my overall record, um, it ended up being 139 to 106, around like a 56, 57% win rate. A bit low where I usually hang, um, whatever. But my, my top drafted commons, I'm pretty proud of, though. Uh, Towards the Tower was my top common. I had 17 of them. Then Curse of the Were Fox at 16. And then Stockpiling Celebrant at 16. So some very respectable Chaffee awards given out here. A great red kill spell, a solid green kill spell. And my favorite white common. How about you? Well, uh, I didn't put up similar numbers, although I did have a better win rate. So, you know, I'm just saying um, <laughs> much smaller sample size, though, I suppose. Um, so in, in terms of record, I went 18, 12 in games, which is 60 percent win rate, 18, 12 in matches because I only played best of one and uh, a total of four events. So you had 11 times the events I did, which is sad. At least one of us still plays magic. Um, <laughs> um, hey, to be fair, this set was a bit of a turnoff for all of us, I think. Yeah, fair enough. But and also I to your credit, I'm proud of my top commons. And also to your credit, you've been doing a lot of behind the scenes work getting the podcast to its current updated state. So, uh, well, thank listener, you. don't think true. he's uh, he's bailing on us. No, definitely not. And I'm I'm pretty excited about uh, Ixalan, but. Um, my top drafted commons, I am actually pretty proud of nine crescendo at four, which I'm not super proud of, but I actually found a lot of decks that, that, that card was decent in Imidane's recruiter is number two at three copies. So of the four events I did, I drafted three Imidane's recruiters so that, uh, you know, I'm happy with hmm. that. And, uh, there were a bunch of other red white cards at three. I pretty much only played red white this set. <laughs> um, <laughs> solid place to be, which is, which, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not upset about. Uh, shout out to 17 lands for, you know, letting us easily access this kind of data. 17 lands is the best. If you're not using them to help track stuff, go do it. It's the best. Hashtag not sponsored. <laughs> yeah, no, we just love 17 lands. I'm, I'm one of the patrons. <laughs> I sponsor them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how about the Chaffee for the worst chaff to lose to? Uh, so this was an easy one for me. Normally I have some trouble with this one. But I beat a version of the tap deck that had Hilda. It had her crown. It had all the fixings, <laughs> all the white and blue cards you could ever want that could tap things and do all the, I crushed it like handily. So anytime I lost to a tap deck, because that was there was no better the tap deck than that one. Like that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I lost to one besides that, I just felt really bad. Like it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. I actually had the Hilda deck on here because when when you see your opponent has it, it's like no way do they have i mean they always have it all right you see them playing blue white you see them play the uncommon charade right and you're like oh that's that's good like their tap things are now turned on but they probably don't have hilda so there's nothing to worry about and then they always have hilda like every single yeah. time <laughs> uh and to be fair the tap deck was nuts when hilda was on the battlefield i don't think i ever beat a resolved hilda because you just immediately have like if you have that deck, you probably put enough tapping things in it so that you can activate Hilda immediately. You make a 4-4 four, four and then like draw a card or something. I don't know. There's no bad way to use it. Specifically, probably the worst chaff to lose to within that deck, I once lost to a Rhyme Fur Reindeer. Do you remember what that card is? <laughs> I remember the art. I can't remember what it does. <laughs> yeah, it was like a format of 3-4 when the Shaman ETBs, you tap something down. Don't even put a stun counter on it. Just tap it for the turn. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yet, and yet, sometimes the white decks they they could just put a bunch of enchantments into play, tap your stuff down, and attack. And that was some embarrassing losses. Next up, our Chaffee for pet cards. For me, 
It had to be Ash or Imidane's recruiter, to be honest. I just never wanted to pass them, and they just felt really fun in this format. And I'm not often picking red-white cards, so it, it, it felt meaningful to me that the one that I gravitated toward was red-white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed the play style of Ash, and honestly, of Recruiter, too. It was a fun card to cast. If anything was going to make it from this set into the draft shaft cube, Recruiter might be up there. Uh, my pet card was Stockpiling Celebrant. Loved mm. bouncing nonsense to my hand, um, including Hopeful Vigil, right? Celebrant, Hopeful Vigil, put as many of those in a deck as possible, and I'll be happy. Now, next up is our Chaffee for a card pet. You you heard of pet card. Now take our card pet. Uh, which card do you most want as a pet? Oh, come on. This set had two really, really cute otters in it. How am I supposed to pick one? So it was yeah. easily a tie between Frolicking Familiar or Elusive Otter. I suppose I'd want the flying one, but um, that was a Not tough Not the choice. one that can uh, put a bunch of counters on you? No. <laughs> <laughs> what is a counter in real life? Is it like muscle mass? You just yeah, it's just it's just like protein powder, <laughs> like uh, creatine. Nice. Uh, my card pet was Regal Bunnycorn. That thing is just. It reminds me of my brother's pet rabbits, which I adore. Um, they're just so inert. Is maybe the best word. They just sit and do nothing, and they exist. Regal Bunnycorn in the art, at least, looks kind of like that. Uh, pollen shield hair was up there too, but if you look at some of the arts for that, especially the alt art, that thing is clearly nasty. You, you don't want to yeah. mess with it. <laughs> it's but Re- Regal Bunnycorn is more the type of rabbit that just sits there and allows the world to happen around it. And those are my favorite types of, of rabbit. And gets giant. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. They just get huge, but they don't really care. Like it's not the Bunnycorn. It's not their fault. It's not like them doing it, right? They're just existing. Anyway, I'm excited to see if these otters and bunnies and mice and rats and such are plants for that upcoming uh, creature theme set. Oh, they definitely are. Gloomhaven? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, that should be cool. Next up, our Chaffee 4 Banhammer. Like, just get rid of them. Take them out of the format altogether. They didn't need to be there. Yeah, this is a tricky one because this is reserved for cards that we think the format would be better without. And I genuinely think the enchanting tail trap cards would be an improvement to the format if they just didn't exist so take for example um doubling season right if you give an average magic player doubling season they'll be like oh my god i remember this from a game of commander i played a year ago like this card is nuts i obviously want to take this and then that person would have the worst draft night of their life as they go where are all the token enablers like what do you mean they're an, an assertive red white vector like there's no like green I, I don't know. I, I thought that was a disservice to newer players. Uh, other cool cards too, like Frank Sanity. That card used to be solid in other limited formats, and there are formats where Frank Sanity would be good. But did you even remember that that was in the set? I, I'd forgotten until I looked at it. Yeah, no, I didn't until you just said that. I think. Um, I think this is kind of a. I, a side effect, maybe, of the fact that we're in this like internet era of magic where they do these spoiler seasons and i feel like i think watsi maybe takes for granted that their players are paying attention online to like what's actually in the set and what the Hmm. what the 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 vectors in the in the format are because most people who would listen to a podcast like ours or any other mtg podcast or are looking at like magic twitter for example will sit down at a draft table and know okay if I want the cash, sure, I can take a doubling season and that's great, but I'm not planning mm-hmm. to win games with it. But if someone was just like sitting down at a table in like the old world where you like didn't have the internet and we didn't have spoiler season or any of that stuff, if you sat down at a table and you opened a pack and you saw doubling season in the pack, you'd expect it was supported in some capacity. Yeah, you would just take it. We don't have that luxury anymore. You kind of need to be sitting, you, you kind of need to be studying up before you draft anymore if you want to have a reasonable win rate. And that's, not great. <laughs> yeah, it's a little annoying. Uh, what was your favorite vector in the set? I think I know your answer. Oh, yeah, red-white. Not close. And probably because I only really drafted red-white, I, I think I had maybe one non-red-white deck. And so, unfortunately, I guess I didn't branch out to try some of the other stuff um, before I kind of just, like, let the, the set kind of pass me by. But... Um, I had a lot of fun with the decks that I did play. So red, white was pretty great. What about you? 
for me, it was the four slash five color nonsense. Uh, these decks relied on Prophetic Prism as kind of their glue. And the, they also relied on Brave the Wilds, Return from the Wilds, the one mana go get a land, the three mana go get a land and make a token or a food too. Uh, hatching Plans and Kellen's Late Blades, I mentioned a lot. Y- you could basically just take all these random cards, know that you'd be able to splash pretty much anything. And then it was sort of like some of those old decks where um, think back to like, what was it? The second Ixalan block, um, when you, you could draft these like multicolored decks that you just put a bunch of chickens in, the 2-5 flyer, and you would just sit behind them forever, and you knew you were safe, you knew you couldn't die, and eventually you would draw your win con and the mana you needed to cast it, and you just win. It, it sort of had that vibe to it, uh, mm. where you could take like a, a horned lock whale or a balloona, even if you're a base black green, and you'd be like, I will eventually get all my lands together i will eventually have the stuff i need to to do this and i have the card advantage and the card quality uh, needed to survive because when you have the super reactive vector i keep talking about kellen's light blades but it's two mana destroying attacking creature if you enable it properly and that's really powerful that can help a, a reactive vector survive so that they have the time to make use of these expensive and hard to cast bombs then again, I would sometimes just go one three with these decks because there were so many good beatdown decks. Uh, I don't know. That's another issue with the format, though. All right. So, what's your least favorite vector? <laughs> That's got to be tapping. I- I'm just so yeah. bummed by how one this one flopped. I mean, tapping in theory should have been a fun, unique. There are multiple build arounds like that were clearly vector posts for it, and they just did not do anything they were just so bad against the the hyper beatdown stuff it's really disappointing yeah and i I wanted to kind of add to that because i agree tapping the tapping vector was my least favorite as well but i want to kind of for lack of better phrasing double click on that we're specifically saying the tapping vector not blue white and i think that's part of what we love about vector theory is that it gets beyond just like the color combinations Mm mm-hmm there were really good blue white decks, but they tended to be more like mid rangey kind of like tempo slash mm. value decks, as opposed to just like everything's about tapping and let me lock down your board and then I'll figure out how to win. Yeah. And, um, the, the ones that went hard into tapping just didn't, didn't work. That vector looked very well supported and was, it just wasn't good. What were some cards you never cast? I mean, all the non red white stuff. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, I, I played enough of the format that I was able to cast most things, but there were a couple of rares I never got. Werefox Bodyguard, never saw one of those. A Farsight Ritual. Um, sort of like a, the Memory Deluge, the four mana card draw spell. Tangled Colony, the two mana rat. Blossoming Tortoise, that mythic. Um, mm. And obviously, I pretty much never cast any of the enchanting fails. So that yeah. was a big bummer there. I mean, w- when you just tell me, hey, there's this set out right now, and around 10% of it, you should just never cast. It would be a mistake yeah. to cast that in-game. I care about having fun, but I also care about winning games because I have fun by doing that too. So that, that's just a big turnoff for a format for me. All right. Draft Chaff Cube Inclusions. Did anything make it? Is anything on the chopping block? Are we, are we looking to add anything? I mentioned earlier... Uh, we actually have a couple good options for blue board wipes right now. The ones yeah. in the cube rely about mass bounce. I think we can maybe get a little more creative with that. Asinine antics is a funny magic card. And I sometimes forget it's in the set because it's a mythic. It doesn't come up very often, but that's the four mana turn all of your opponents things cursed, make them all into one ones. And I mean, that interacts a little differently with the cube than it does us in this set. There's a lot of flicker effects. There's a lot of reanimation and sack effects. I don't think it would be nearly as powerful, and it wasn't even that powerful and limited here. Uh, I, I do think Extraordinary Journey could have a home. Uh, as sort of like a blue board white, but it also has synergy with like Exile stuff, of which there's a good amount in our cube. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Is it a creature spell you cast from Exile or a creature spell that enters the battlefield from Exile? Oh, if it's enters the battlefield, then that makes the, the Flicker deck disgusting when it already was pretty good. It just enters the battlefield. Dude, we have to put this card in. This card is a mass. Oh, oh wow. Gosh. It's a blue board wipe that you can use in the Flicker deck. Okay, that card's definitely going in uh, per patron approval. <laughs> um, 
Anyway, what do you think? What I'm are your glad ideas? we have this oversight board now. <laughs> Ben's just going to yeah, buy it yeah. and put it in his, his physical copy anyway. It's, but it's oversight from copy, us. It's not the it's not the other way around where it's we're oversight from the patrons. It's the patrons no, oversight. They're making us. sure we don't do stupid stuff with our own cube. Yeah. Uh, um, for fine. me though, I actually thought that it could be interesting to toy around with celebration in the cube. Um, mm. Not in like a large capacity, but we have a lot of flickers, so getting like two things to enter the battlefield in one turn isn't doesn't seem to me to be very difficult. And so I was thinking stockpiling celebrant may be a good inclusion. Hmm. Yeah, I would love to see celebrant go in the cube. Well, that wraps up all our chaffies. Um, hope you enjoyed that. We do have a little bit to to continue kind of just to send off the set. So, of course, our, our usual would you rather question, which evolves from set to set. This time around, would you rather be Oko's son or Rowan's brother? <laughs> Neither is a, a great family member to be. Yeah, uh, not so much. I don't like the position of either of these people. Son of just a total jerk. Or brother of just a total jerk. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know who's more gone here, Oko or Rowan. Neither is looking very good. I think I'd rather be Oko's son, though. I think Kellen's got it going. Will, he's doing his best to keep the realm together. But ultimately, he, he wasn't able to, to bring Rowan back to the light side. Rowan's, I mean, she blasted off again in the end of the story, right? So who knows yeah. what's going to happen? I, I'm going to go with Kellen. What do you think? Well, so I actually, I didn't think about this in terms of would I rather be Kellen or Will. I thought about it as myself, as either Oko's son or Rowan's brother. All right, let's hear it. I'd much rather be, like, Rowan's not a very nice sister, but Oko's bound to have caused some, like, serious mental health issues for this kid. (laughs) And while Rowan may have done so to to her brother as well, I think I'd probably take being Rowan's sister, because at least she's not actually insane. Like... She's not off turning everybody into elk and like doing all this crazy stuff and then just like peacing out and like, I'll never talk to you again. She at least tried to make things work with her brother. And then she's like, I'm not getting what I need. I'm going to go off on this excursion and try to find myself and whatever. Fine. You go do your thing, sis. I think I'm cool with that. Next up is our final farewell. Our final thoughts on the format. Honestly, I, I don't even have that much to say. I think I've said it all. Yeah, I mean, overall, pretty pretty medium format, in my opinion. I didn't think it was overwhelmingly bad. I didn't think it was particularly good either and probably wouldn't bother flashing it back if it were, you know, coming back around and there was something else available to draft. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, It wasn't so bad that if it was the only set around that I wouldn't draft it, but if there's other, other options, I probably wouldn't bother. Yeah, this is honestly one of the first big misses they've had in quite a while. I mean, most vectors in this set were misses like the enchantments going to the graveyard was a miss that the whole rolls thing concentrated within green white like an enchantress type thing that was kind of a miss um the tapping thing that was a miss just some of the blue red spells cards weren't even that good <laughs> uh yeah you, i mean really, really all we it. had were like it was like red white black red and just like a smattering of everything jackson yeah Pollock. like the, the, the black green <laughs> piles right so it, it just wasn't that interesting or replayable the enchanting fails definitely didn't help um not a lot of good uh, actually this week on limited resources they did a, a really good breakdown of how there were not a lot of good build arounds in this set which i think in our language we would say not a lot of good vector uncommons ones that kind of really strongly point you in a direction that are unique and that you don't get to do all the time um I don't even remember the name of the three mana. It was two and a white. It was like enchanting castle or something. It was the, the tapper synergy piece, right? Where solitary ETB, castle tap, or solitude yeah. castle or something. Who cares? <laughs> like it's never <laughs> going to see play ever anywhere else again. And that's sad because we love draft chaff and that is draft chaff that we should love. And I don't like it very much because it just didn't work and I never got to play it. Solitary sanctuary, by the way. I've, I already forget. <laughs> it's like that meme i don't know if you've seen that there's a there's a meme that go, that's going around of uh like being from the perspective of like a guitar player not knowing the notes they play like when they're just riffing and like somebody like that's an a and he's like i already i already forget I don't know what that is. <laughs> all right so with woe behind us in 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 the dust right what are we looking forward to for the next set lost caverns of ixalan dinosaurs I am so in for dinosaurs. I just ordered all the pieces I was missing for green, white standard humans. And then I realized I can play dinosaurs in standard that they printed a one mana dinosaur mana dork. 
you're telling yeah. me I'm supposed to not play a standard Llanowar Elf? <laughs> like, this is what I do. And I did actually play Red Green Dinos in standard last time they were standard legal. Uh, funny enough, that was also immediately following a Green White Humans deck. Huh. History is a circle or whatever. Um, anyway, this seems <laughs> like a full tilt graveyard vector, but it's all around crafting and exploration some some cool new mechanics uh this is very unique i mean usually with graveyard stuff we've seen them go for like a like a zombies thing on innistrad or even on tarkir with delve but this is this is very different so yeah it, it does amaze me how the design team continues to come up with creative new things yeah we'll see how it plays more, out more complex they are getting more complex we should probably do an episode on just that um but uh, we'll see how it plays out. I think some of these things sound really fun, like Red White in Strixhaven sounded like, oh, that's a cool way to do graveyard stuff. Like that's a little bit different. Um, oh, and then it didn't yeah. play out very well. So I'm hesitantly optimistic, I suppose. Um, it does sound really cool. I love the idea of the crafting, the exploration stuff and the way that they've done Descend seems really cool. Um, I'm really just excited overall to see how these mechanics work out. And I'm interested to see an Ixalan set that isn't actually... <laughs> like tribal like they they didn't design it to be tribal in nature you still have vampires you still have dinosaurs etc but it's not the way the first ixalan set was where it's like very clearly you've got these tribes that you want to build your decks around and um Mm -hmm. so we'll see how it goes i'm excited let's uh hop into our listener question of the week we've got one from patar here patar asks about removal ratios, even though it's kind of what you're given and depends on what archetype you fall into, how much removal is too little? How much is too much? Cool question here. Uh, it's hard to have too much good removal overall, like full stop, but I feel like it can influence your vector. I'm going to talk about Kellen's Light Blades again. <laughs> uh, because this type of effect, a two or three mana destroy target attacking or blocking creature, or like deal four to an attacking blocking your creature, right? This is sometimes misused as an assertive vector removal spell, um, but it's actually a reactive vector removal spell. So this isn't like a, a beatdown card. This is a control card. And yeah, you can get away with like one or two in an aggressive deck if you're low on options. But if you have like three or four of them coming around the table early, maybe reconsider what you have and try to switch into like a reactive style control deck. And again, it depends on vectors. I feel like vectors are more constrained by the creatures that you have access to. Like assertive decks, they want tons of low drops, like six or eight, one and two mana spells or creatures, and probably like 14 or 15 creatures overall. So then you have like eight or nine slots for everything else. That's enchantments, artifacts, planeswalkers, battles, pump spells, and then removal spells too, right? So I'd say an assertive deck, if they're super assertive, could probably play like seven or eight removal spells before it's too much but then that means you're not playing pump spells and it means you're not playing right. artifacts and enchantments and other maybe synergy pieces that your deck might want let's say uh sanctuary Sol- solitude solitary of- sanctuary let's say solitary sanctuary was good and it was like a blue white beat down tempo deck right you would want that in place of maybe a mediocre removal spell because it would have been a good vector synergy piece and uh you know past that the assertive decks they do start to eat into their creature count and that can be bad i mean i've seen black red decks with like eight or nine removal spells Uh, i actually drafted a deck this format i think i had like 10 removal spells and it turned out i just couldn't build the board presence to to actually attack my opponent and kill them uh reactive vectors though like controlling vectors you can play basically as many as you want uh as long as you have a way to close out the game Maybe like a board wipe or like a, a giant bomb like Gruff Triplets or Hornlock Whale or something like that. Or, or card advantage like hatching plans to eventually flood the board. Uh, but then those decks, there's not really a limit. I would play 10 or 12 kill spells in like a good blue-red deck in Shadows of Innerstrad, for example, right? Where you have um, Rise from the Tides to eventually make like 15 zombies and just attack all in one turn. You can just kill all their stuff and bide your time. Yeah, fair enough. I think that is a really nice overall explanation for it um in general too i think these sets like sets today and for probably the last like at least half a decade or so there are just way too many threats to Mm. deal with and so like you can almost never to your point ben you can almost never have enough removal so you should just really prioritize finding removal that's worth putting in your deck in the first place and that's why we we talk so often about just like 
unconditional removal and how good that is because you don't have very many slots in a deck for removal typically. So they better be really good. Um, and I think a lot of times if you can worry more about like outpacing your opponent in terms of threats, you're going to be just as good as if you focus entirely on removal. Mm-hmm. All right. On to Fairy Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. Ben, how's your week going? Man, this has been a busy week. I know you and I have been going nuts working on this relaunch and all the moving pieces, right? There's so many more than you would think. Art assets and posting and this and that. And, uh, well, we actually have one more big announcement. Um, probably the most exciting thing uh, about some of the, these rebrands things. Well, not most, but it's definitely top three for me. Uh, we're going to be playing in the streamer event. So yeah. we've been invited for the first time to the uh, early access streamer event, which is honestly, if you had told me when I started playing Magic that someday I would get an early access pass to a streamer event, I would have said, no way. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? But that means we get to draft chaff before usually, we usually do, right? We get to draft chaff yeah. before anyone else. And you're invited. We would like you to join us on Wednesday the 8th, Wednesday, November 8th at 5 p.m. EST. Uh, please hop on YouTube. We will link this. We'll share it in Discord, all this good stuff. But hop into our stream. We'll be streaming if I can, I guess, manage to make OBS work. I'm not <laughs> not that proficient. Twitch scares me, to be honest. But YouTube, Based on your handle. GIMP skills, I'm not too, uh, not too ex- enthusiastic about this. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I can match the color scheme of my OBS layout to our new color scheme, I, I think that'll be good enough. Um, that being said, it's going to be a great time. Come on out. I'm going to be streaming all night. Uh, and probably a little bit the next day too. Uh, I'll maybe announce more of that as it comes. Uh, but that's going to be so much fun. We're going to get to play against all the other creators, especially good limited creators, right? I know a lot of the pros play in this early access event too. So if you want to see us uh, demolish <laughs> other podcast hosts, other limited uh, hosts. Then, that's um, a claim. Oh boy. Uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, anywho, that's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, also, Teferi this week, just loving the new layout. I, I love everything about this. Uh, everything for our new intro music, which crafted myself, uh, every, to our you know updated art assets, to all this other cool stuff. It's nice. It's refreshing. It feels uh, feels new. And I'm honestly very excited for the new Patreon stuff. I, I'm, again, just so thankful for all the support we've gotten from you, listener. And I'm really excited to see what people want from us next. If it's more of these uh like drafts i mean we could eventually open it up to have maybe multiple pods of that um monthly draft firing or maybe more packs for the bounty boards i mean this is limited by what people want to give into us right so uh super excited to see where that all goes all right that was a long teferi it's been a good week but tibble uh i lost my voice at a concert this past week and i don't know if you can tell but i'm still not fully recovered i was just screaming at the top of my lungs so that was fun um and and I guess a, t- a tibble would be that this has been a ton of work. This is yeah. so much, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears going into it. But honestly, that's a tibble and a teferi, right? Because I, I think it's all paid off. I really like where we're at. How about you? Yeah, and we'll see where it continues to go. Um, I agree. Teferi, for me, is the new stuff of the show. I mean, Ben and I have been working on a lot of these revamps and changes and tweaking how we were going to communicate it and, and trying to do all those different things for about two months now um, and a little bit longer if you count like the first time the idea popped up and we just started talking through some of those things. But we've been actively pushing to get to this point for two months, putting in a lot of time and effort into it. So um, really happy to see that folks seem to be loving it so far. Again, if you would like to let us know your feedback on all the different changes that are going on, jump in the Discord. We've got a space just for you to be able to give us feedback as well. Um, And we'd love to hear from you. Um, My Tybalt is... While pseudo related to that, also just in general with life, I've been kind of burning the candle at both ends lately um, between whether it be work or personal life or the show or on and on and on. I am not getting enough sleep or hydration or rest in any capacity. So um, while I'm feeling great, like mental health wise, like I'm doing all right, I'm not feeling burned out or like, like stressed in any capacity my body is telling me otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I should probably get to sleep earlier. So, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Do check out the Discord if you haven't already. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. If you're watching on YouTube, check the description below. You'll find all those details there as well. 
If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash draft chat Again, check out those tiers. Let us know what you think about them. You can also follow on Patreon now where um, it, it, you don't have to sub or become a patron per se in terms of like paying money, but you can follow and then any public posts we put out, you'll also get access to. So that's another way you can keep an eye on what's going on with the Patreon. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us at DraftChaffPod. You can also find us on Reddit at DraftChaffPod. We do have a subreddit as well, though not very active at the moment. So if that's something that folks want to see more of, um, we can definitely be involved there. And um, yeah, I think that does it for us. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. I guess it's a bit of a plug for the Patreon. We had quite the pre-show this week. I think it was like 35 or 40 minutes long. Yeah. And it ranged everything from uh, me cooking soup, which is still on the stove, by the way. It's been simmering this entire time. I'm very excited to go see how that's doing. Uh, to trying to figure out how, how many cups of... What does a cup of spinach actually mean? Because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I hate the way like recipe websites do literally everything. Um, I now have to scroll how there's 15 pop-ups. Just how they auto refresh and like take you to the top of the page. I assume to reload the ads that you've all X'd off. That's probably <laughs> it. Right. So, uh, anywho, but then we also like took a, a deep dive into how I do my editing process, my behind the scenes. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. It, it was an interesting, uh, workflow mindset. I, I think you got a nice look inside my head. Uh, and a nice look inside how Zach and I interact when <laughs> the cameras aren't rolling because I didn't actually know the cameras were rolling for a good yeah, chunk true. of the free show. <laughs> Despite the fact that you told me to start recording. <laughs> so if you would like to see what I'm actually like, truly, genuinely not knowing, because let's be honest, everybody acts different when they know there's a camera sure. or a mic that's live. Except I didn't. <laughs> um and uh, you get to see everything. I think at one point I even pulled up the streamer Discord channel. Was that on the video? Oh, you might have actually. Are we allowed? Yeah. To, are we allowed to show that? I'm, I'm not to, sure. You're gonna make me edit the pre-show. I normally don't edit the <laughs> nah, pre-shows nah, nah, at nah, all. Nah, leave it in. Leave it in. I, I think that's actually fine. I think we're allowed to have that. I think. Anyway, I don't know if we are. I'm probably gonna have to blur all that out. You should put like a big censored bar over the top of it. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just like put up just a big black censored anything like that uh anyway i think um i think it's time to go eat the soup yeah yeah let's do it i mean i won't eat your soup but i made soup recently <laughs> too so i'll go eat that 